0: tech fan number three with your host tim robertson and the other co-host david cohen talking all kinds of cool stuff this week plus the missing john nemo interview with jackie robbins jackie robbins am i wrong richards jackie richards Again, Welcome to Tech Fan. This is episode number three. Wow, three episodes already. It seems like uh, 300 and something. Well, that's probably because <laughs> I've been podcasting that long, David Cullen.
1: Absolutely. It just, it just seems like you just did one last week. Yeah, I know. It, the, the,
0: time flies when you're having fun, I guess.
1: So uh, we're supposed to have another guest
0: on today. He hasn't shown up yet, so when he does, we'll pause the recording and bring him in. Um, but in case he's not we won't even mention who he is, because I don't want to embarrass him on the air, but of course, David Cohen. Welcome back. Always good to be back. Missed you on the um, second episode, of course, but uh, you're here.
1: It was, yeah, well, I listened to the second episode. It was still fun, uh, and uh, obviously, it's always better to be, you know, it's always better to participate rather than be shouting at the, uh, shouting at the iPod <laughs> as you listen to things.
0: Yeah, it is for me. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and I... When you're a podcaster yourself you you kind of get a little maybe sometimes overly critical, you know, yeah. and I listen to other shows, and I think they should have gone this way or that was a really good conversation. they just didn't do anything at all with it, and it gets really frustrating so um, I've stopped listening to a lot of the tech shows that I used to, yeah, and trying to find other podcasts that are not tech related that I enjoy
1: and uh there's a few what what podcasts do you listen to a lot? Uh, I do listen to quite a few tech podcasts and, and you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying. You kind of, you have to learn to uh, kind of get rid of that that thing that people have on the internet, which is you know, well, well, they don't know what they're talking about. I know better than they do. Right. You just have to kind of get over that. So uh, I listened to um, a couple of Mac podcasts, the Retro Mac Cast, which is is about old Macs. You've been listening to that for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I have. I really enjoy that, actually. Because the thing is, is, for me, I wasn't there at the beginning of the Mac revolution. So I, I came in fairly late. I came in about 2003, 2004. So I find it very interesting to listen to about know what things were like with the old machines and, and the trials and tribulations that Apple went through in the nineties. That's horrible. So uh, yeah so well but it's you know knowing how it turned out is is interesting now because it is.
0: Uh, it's not like yeah. we were looking back then and saying, Oh look it was the tea leaves, we should have known that this was all gonna end and it
1: didn't. I mean it's it's huge now, the Apple scene. That's right. Um couple other things I listen I, li- I like I uh, like a few video podcasts though um, it's hard to watch lot, sometimes. They are. You've got to block
0: fact, that time out.
1: Yeah, what I, what I often do actually is is they'll build up into like a, a backlog and then I'll just kind of rip them to audio and just listen to them on the iPod anyway. Um, and there's, there's one in particular by a guy, um, a British guy called Robert Llewellyn, who used to be in Red Dwarf. If any, anybody's a sci-fi fan, they probably will have heard of that British kind of – it was kind of like a British science, science fiction sitcom, and he played um, one of the characters in that. And He does this thing called Carpool. Where he just basically gives a a ride to people who you might have heard of, uh, and talk, and he he has all the cameras set up in the car, and he just basically has has talks them as he gives them a ride somewhere. So it's an and interview it's, show in a car, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and and it's not, not overly structured. And he just you know he just talks talks to them about about what they've got going on and what what they're doing, and um and that's pretty good. It's uh it's a lot of fun. I like the. Uh I like
0: Geekiest Show Ever. No. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no, I like Kevin. I like
1: all the podcasts I I want. That's right.
0: I own that one. I love it. No, uh, I like Kevin Pollock's chat show. It's a video show, but he releases just the audio version in iTunes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a black set, black background, table chairs, very Charlie Rose. Right. And, uh, but his, his interview skills are really good, and I enjoy the banter back and forth. He always okay. goes into the history of the person he's talking to. Uh, he's more interested in the journey where how they yeah. got to where they are, not necessarily. Hey, you're in this new movie. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I enjoy that. And he does, of course, impressions. So he he'll open the show with like a joke as he is impersonating Woody Allen or you know people like yeah. that. So I oh, like that show that's a lot. Fine. Yeah. And you know each episode is like a couple hours, but I drive a lot, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, that, you know, it's one of the – I like that show. I don't know why, but I kind of got into the mode of listening to it at night. So I usually right. listen to that podcast driving back from Chicago because I've got like yeah. a three-hour drive, and this show is usually around two hours. So I can hear that, and
1: then I still have time to listen to another show. I actually t- Yesterday I actually took a business trip, and uh, I sort of deliberately chose to drive rather than take the train just because I knew I could catch up on my cars on the way.
0: Yep. <laughs> Yep, it's funny how that works sometimes. You think, well, I can get there this way faster. But, you know, if I do this, I can get caught up on my podcast. That's right, yeah. Uh, I liked Smodcast from Kevin Smith for a long time, but it's really gotten more, it's degenerated into just juvenile type of stuff, you know? Yeah. And he got a sponsor, which is adult toys. So that's a big topic all the time. And it's like, really? Kevin Smith is my age, and... I'm not even into talking about that kind of stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, the the pro, You always you always start to worry when when it looks like people are doing things purely for the shock value rather than because they're necessarily interested or believe. In
0: I don't think it's the shock value for him. I just think that's what's going on in his life. That's what the show's right. historically been about. Uh, that, but that being said, he started a second podcast. Uh, with his friend, Jay. Have you seen him in the movies, Jay and Silent Bob? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jay, uh, Jason Mewes, is a recovering drug addict, I guess, you'd say. Right. And they have a show now where it's those two talking, and the first six episodes is really about Jason and his struggles with drugs. And I found that very interesting. It wasn't a whole bunch of sexist and just the crap that he's doing on the other show. I yeah. found it really interesting. I thought it was good and it worked its way all the way up to number 1 in iTunes. So, wow. they've got to be doing something, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they, they I mean they have a
1: very big following as well. I mean, kind of a a cult following, don't they?
0: Yes, and that obviously helps. Yeah. Um, probably my guilty pleasure is stuck in the 80s. It's uh-huh. it's a podcast all about the 80s, movies, music, TV shows. They do some interviews occasionally. They had one with Weird Al Yankovic, which was pretty good. Yeah. Um Although Kevin Pollack had an interview with Weird Al Yankovic too, and that one blew away the one stuck in the '80s. Yeah, you know the stuck in the '80s one was like ten minutes. Kevin Pollack's was like an hour and a half. So it's
1: know. it's funny funny you say that. They're, they're doing a um, next week here. In, I don't know if they're doing this in the states, but they're doing a a one or a two night showing of Back to the Future at the movie theaters, kind of as a as a uh, I must be an anniversary celebration. 30th anniversary coming yeah. up. Yeah. So. Um, uh, and the, and a few of the guys from work are organising a, a meal and to go and see it. <laughs> really, I was I was listening to this conversation yesterday between these these two girls who were a fair bit younger than me in the uh, in the office, and one of them was going, "Oh, what do I want? What do I want to go and see an eighties movie for? It'll be completely rubbish." She'd obviously never seen it, you know? right? Uh, and and it just kind of made me feel both nostalgic and somewhat old at the same time. <laughs> now,
0: I liked the first movie a lot, obviously, yeah. and the second movie I liked. A lot. I didn't like the third one so much. It felt like back to the
1: milking the movie audience. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think, I think they, they really set themselves up um, quite, with quite a difficult challenge with the second and third movies because obviously they really kind of emphasized the time traveling, going back and forth. It all got confusing. Plus, they had all the future stuff in there as well, which is very difficult to pull off. It is, and well. they didn't pull it off very well, I don't no, think. Especially,
0: no, uh, where they go, 30 years in the future? That's right, yeah. Until now, basically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> which... And they had, they had holograms and hoverboards and all this weird stuff that we don't have now.
0: No. You know. And so it's kind of weird to watch that and see the technology that they were imagining 30 years down the road, which, honestly, I remember 30 years ago. I can kind of understand why they would think that. I, th- I think I – don't, I don't know if it's not – I think it's still a couple years out, I'm going to I'm going to check it real quick. Back to the future 2, back to the it was was it 89, wasn't it? Yes.
1: And I'm trying to remember what year they go back to. I'm I'm sure it's 2015. Was 30 years, yeah, 30 years because they went 30 years back in the first one. They went 30 years forward in the second. Yeah, so it's
0: 2015. So we still have 5 years to develop the hoverboard
1: and realistic uh, holograms. Yeah, and the self-driving inflatable jacket. And Wait, I've got one of those. You don't have one of those? <laughs> you British are so far behind. Uh, well, that's it. You know, we're in the dark ages, really.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny watching movies that depict the future, and it's, you know, especially when it's already happened. You know, like, what was it? Uh, Snake Plissken one, uh Escape from New York. Yeah, you know, we've already passed the time that that show, you know, the future was supposed to happen. It's like really,
1: okay. It, yeah, there are, there are parts of Manchester that kind of like Escape from New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not too far off. Oh man! So, what technologies are you kind of into right now, David? What's what's kind of taking up a lot of your time?
1: Um, let's see. Uh, the iPad. Yeah. Um, what are you doing on the a, iPad right now? Well, I mean, you know what I. I Found, I, I had to look through my iPad last night. Like, a, rather than pick it up and use it, I was just kind of flipping through it, and I, re, I hadn't realised how many apps I bought. I've got I know what quite you mean. a lot, and, and the thing is, a lot of them are a lot more. They're, they're still compared to a, a Mac app; they're very cheap. But a lot of them are more expensive than, than iPhone apps traditionally. I, I've spent quite a lot of money. I, I, I found because I, I, I kind of arrange everything in kind of functional groups, and I found that for every you're more ambitious group, than I am. Yeah, well, I, you know, the thing is I use it for work, so I, I do need to be able to kind of find things. But I've, I've realized that for every functional group I have, I have about four or five applications that effectively do the same thing. So I have, you know, four or five word processors. I just checked, five,
0: by the way, I've got nine pages.
1: I'm not quite up that that far, but I'm, I'm not far off it. Um, I've got about two pages of different games. Um, you know, but I have yeah. For f- four word processors, I've got um, three mind mapping applications. I've got three calendar to do lists. Uh, I've got four calculator apps. Um, you know, and you kind of look at this and you think this is really this is really crazy. You know, um, but well, the thing is, I, I don't know about you, but I find that once I buy an app and actually put it on the thing, I'm kind of I I kind of resent having to delete it if I'm not using it. Spe-
0: it's I, easier I, if it's, it's a ninety nine cent one, yeah. but when it's six ninety nine, you're like, ah.
1: Yeah, I might use it one day. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll discover what it is. One thing I have been using quite a lot, um, uh, which I found really invaluable, is an application called LogMeIn Ignition. Yes. I, yeah, I don't know if you've used that at all, yep. but basically, it 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 LogMeIn is a is kind of an online remote control service. So you sign up for it. You can it's all the, the there is a free version of the service, which is what I use, um, and you run a little app on your. <coughs> excuse me on your PC or your Mac and then you can remote control it from anywhere on the internet a um, bit, like, bit like Citrix and that sort of thing or VNC Yep. but they do log in initially for the iPad which means you can control your Macs or your PCs by using the iPad and it works really really well it's and amazing found, isn't it yeah I found that's really handy when I'm in that. I, I was using it the other day. I was upstairs. Um, we had a problem with the Apple TV in the bedroom. And so I, I wanted to disconnect it and reconnect it to the Mac iTunes library downstairs. And I was able to do that just from the iPad without having to go, go downstairs. So that was really good.
0: It's promoting your laziness.
1: Well, that's yeah, what I it, said
0: with JR last week. It, that the iPad promotes laziness.
1: Well, the, the problem is, <laughs> is, is when you're when you're doing that sort of connection, there's numbers you need to type into different computers, and if they're actually like three minutes away from each other, and you're walking up and down all the time, that's actually quite hard <coughs> to do. Yep. So, um, so that that that's really good. So I've I've been kind of rocking that out a lot. I have been too. Um, a lot of reading on my
0: iPad. It's just yeah. so much more convenient than the iPhone and it's more intimate than my computer is. If I have a choice, if someone says go visit this website, as long as it's not flash-based or some movie thing, I'll almost always go on the iPad. Yeah. Um, but there's not like one application that I'm playing or using or all the time other than the web browser itself. I try not to use mail on it too much because with the new job, that means a lot of typing. And a lot of typing really isn't conducive on the iPad. It's just not. I don't
1: think so? I, no. I, I've actually, I, I'm, uh,
0: I'm probably a third of my speed on the iPad as compared to a real keyboard.
1: I found that um, maybe it's because I'm not a touch typist, I'm just kind of a, a hunt and peck. Um, but I found I can get up to pretty much the same sort of speed if I turn the iPad on its side and use the widescreen keyboard. That I could uh, see if you're a, a hunt and peck. I'm a, I'm yeah. a touch fueler. Yeah. I mean, so, I, so I've been doing that, it a long that, time. I think that's the difference. So for me, I can be, you know, I can really get an off. I have a external Bluetooth keyboard for it, but I hardly ever use it because um, I found I can get by with the, uh, the on screen keyboard perfectly fine. And I've been doing quite a lot of work and. Uh, I do all my eBay auctions on the iPad. That's, that's actually probably one of the apps I use the most, actually, um, it's Garage Sale, which is a... That was a Mac to,
0: application, too. Well, I reviewed yeah. that for the Mac
1: years ago. Yeah. Uh, and they've done an iPad version. It's not as functional as the Mac version, but it does the job, and it produces auctions that look pretty much just as nice as the uh, as the Mac version. I've used the,
0: the free eBay app for the iPad to buy stuff, but... Yeah.
1: They, well, the Garage Sale's really good, actually. Um, hmm. it, it's great with your... <coughs> with your um basically what i'll do is if i'm if i'm shooting fo- photos from my auctions now i'll shoot them on my iPhone and then upload them to Dropbox that means the iPad can see them and you can then um, edit them on the iPad using Photogene or something and then drop them straight into the into Garage Sale um, you could write all your copy and do all your listings and categories and everything, and then actually send the auctions straight up from the iPad. And because I always have it with me, that means I I get more auctions listed than I used to do when I had to sit down in front of the Mac.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, so that's 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 really really quite good quite a good application. Got a few you know rough edges, but um, the, what I really like about the iOS applications though is that so many of the developers are working on them all the time, so constantly you get, uh, updated get a really, and, and particularly with some of them, you know, you every time you get a new update, you get a whole load of bug fixes and a whole load of new functionality. And it's much, you know, a much tighter development cycle than you seem to get with the Mac applications, and I really like that. They're working hard for the money. No
0: yeah. question. And yet, I'm a little disappointed in some companies, and they got me again, I gotta say, Rockstar did. Uh, I bought GTA, Chinatown Wars for the iPhone. Yeah. And it's a top-down view, which I don't particularly care for, but it is a GTA game and the story is kind of good. And so I was planning a little bit. I had the iPhone version on the iPad and that's the only place that I was really playing it. The iPhone to me, I'm just tired of playing games on that. It's just too small of a screen. Yeah. So I was playing it on the iPad and it looked pretty darn good. I mean, mm-hmm. the graphics, even at the 2X thing. Yeah. Well, then they came out with an HD version, which is the same price, nine ninety nine. And I don't know why, but yep, I bought it again. Yeah. And it looks good, don't get me wrong, but really for another ten bucks I bought this and it's it's the same game. I mean, yeah. it's significantly no different. And yeah. I thought couldn't they have just updated the other one to make it universal? I guess they want to get the cash cow and they got ten bucks for me again. But I'm not gonna Look. fall for it again.
1: Yeah, or or at least I always think with the with the iPad versions, if they already have it going on the iPhone, so they are effectively porting it up to the iPad, it would be nice that they put some extra content, like extra levels things in. So you, at least you felt you were getting something a little bit more for your money. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and I'm, and I'm just expecting them to, you know, I'm not one of these people who says, well, I bought it on the iPhone, so I expect to get an iPad version for nothing. I mean, that, that's, that's not always the way it can work. I agree, but, but um, if
0: all they're doing is rezzing it up, yeah. Well, in that case, if, especially for ten dollars, it's like you know, really. At this point, I've spent twenty dollars on this game. Actually, I've spent fifty because I bought the DS version at thirty bucks a couple years ago. Yeah. And I, it was unplayable. Um, I don't know. I I kind of do expect it. If you're not going to add anything significant, that I shouldn't have to spend this much money, or there should be at least, at the very least, an upgrade path.
1: Yeah. A, well, an I, in-app I, purchase. I I guess um, I, I don't know how you'd do that. I suppose you'd have to. You could do an in-app la-
0: purchase, could not you?
1: Well, yeah, you'd have to launch it as a universal application f- for both applica- for both. Well, it'd be kind of confusing though because it'd be un- it'd have to be universal application so that you knew it would run on the iPad, um, and then you'd have to go into the iPhone version on the iPad and upgrade it to turn on the iPad capable features. You know, I. I I don't know. It would it, definitely be it, difficult. It would be it would be difficult and and I suppose the developers would turn around and say well actually that's an Apple problem that's not our problem.
0: And you know, at this point we're right. still in the infancy with tablet computers. Uh, and Apple's yeah. still cornered the market. There's nobody else out there yet. Now, Rim yes. had a big announcement last week. Well, and they're saying you know first quarter twenty eleven, but and they showed this commercial, but it's all CGI. Even the device itself is CGI. Yeah, I,
1: I actually tweeted about this last night because last last night was the first time I actually got to watch the presentation yeah. and the commercial. And considering how much buzz there has been around this, I was completely surprised because of the because I'd seen pictures of the guy on stage with hardware. Right. So I think he at least had a working device. Nope on stage, but it wasn't. It was a prop. Yep. You could tell it was a prop because the screen never went off, despite the fact he was up there for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you knew it was a backlit prop. And then the actual commercial has only CGI. And I actually tweeted last night. I said, at this point, it's about as real as Minority Report. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know? um, but was, really, did you see anything compelling in that that would make you go, oh, I'm going to sell my iPad and get this thing?
1: Well, I, I think perhaps that's not the market they're going for. Maybe they are chasing the... Um, I mean, as great as the iPad sales have been, you know, eight, ten million or something, that still leaves an awful lot of people who haven't bought a Absolutely. tablet device. So maybe RIM's marketing strategy is not to chase after Apple guys at all, but go after other people. However, I'm I'm just very confused by their approach. First of all, everyone who isn't Apple is going for these 7-inch devices. And to me, I, I don't see the... I don't see what, what the benefit of that is. It's still not small enough to put in your pocket. No. Nope. So you still have to kind of tote it. So if you're going to tote it, surely you'd want something bigger than seven inches. If, the, if you've got a seven-inch case, that means the battery's smaller, which means you probably won't get the full day's battery life you get out of That's an iPad. That's right. Yep. Yeah? Plus also, all the screen real estate is smaller. You get a higher dot per inch than you get with an iPad, but the actual control sizes will all be smaller, which is going to make the on-screen keyboard experience... Less good than the iPad, so for me uh, the the seven inch approach is kind of a lose lose lose, and I don't see what the what the upside of it is at all. Um, so so that's 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 my problem with the hardware. Oh, plus it also is um, they, they're going to tether it to the Blackberry for 3g (laughs) well okay but how much is that going to cost because i know i know the blackberry sort of pricing model at the moment everyone you know in in here in the uk you pay about 20 25 pounds a month but you get all you can eat data with that you're not going to get that if you've got a a, a tablet device to it so so you you're still going to be paying for the 3g um and then and then the final thing is that the you know there's nothing about the app ecosystem Um, RIM has traditionally been very poor at app development. Their their app development environment is really bad. It is. Um, And to to me, you know, I don't think if you're competing against Apple and iOS, I don't think it's good enough just to have a monolithic platform with no applications on it. The applications they're talking about, they're talking about web apps. Well, yeah, they're
0: talking about Java or Flash. That's the two development platforms for it. Really? Flash?
1: doesn't sound like a compelling um, it, it, yeah, but the thing is I mean I, you know I have to caveat all of that with saying we haven't actually seen a working device at this point um, so you know it could absolutely blow our socks off but at the moment from from the way it was presented from the fact it's obviously at a very early stage development because they had no working hardware it, I, it, I, to me it didn't seem to justify some of the uh, you know blathering levels of excitement I saw on the internet when it was, uh, when it was announced. I could have seen this uh, a year and a half, two years ago. And I think it would have been a big deal. I think I think we did see devices kinda of similar to this before the app before the iPad came out. I'm pretty sure at C E S before the iPad was launched last year there was a whole load of tablet and devices. And they were all vaporware. How many of um, them actually come yeah, out? Yeah, well exactly. So um you know i I think rim 's real problem is that i don't believe with what they 've shown they're going to be competing with the iPad. I think they're going to be competing with a whole bunch of seven inch android tablets did they i, I don't remember did they announce pricing No. yeah
0: exactly so, so that's so. the
1: other thing as well i mean the, the 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 most recent tablet was launched I think samsung did 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 something recently that started about $800, which was kind of (laughs) slightly. It's like, okay, now at that
0: price point, you're competing directly against the iPad, except the iPad has a whole bunch more apps. It's already out there. It's got all the buzz and it's cheaper. Cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody always wants to assume that Apple's gear is so much more, but when it comes to smartphones, guess what? The iPhone doesn't cost any more than another smartphone. Uh, when it comes to the ipad you watch it's going to be very competitively priced it just will be
1: and they and the thing that they always have with with apple stuff is that they they have because their margins are so high they can anytime they want to to compete they just turn the screw they don't tend to drop the pricing very often but they put more stuff in yep um so so they increase the value proposition for the same price um at the same same time that the you know that people like Samsung and RIM are are going to be struggling to meet price points. The
0: other aspect is what they're building right now and what they're going to launch in the next 6 to 12 months is they're competing against the first generation iPad. Well, it's not like Apple's sitting still. So by the time their product comes out, the first generation, which may be very comparable to the first iPad, Apple will be releasing or at least announcing the second iPad.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I mean... Clearly, Apple has, de- has defined a new market segment, and uh, you know we should always welcome competition. Um, but I, I, I think much, much like, and and, and I do, I do recognise that when the iPad was announced, a lot of people said, well, what, what would we use this for? Yep. What does it mean? It, you know, and, and until you actually sometimes get these things in your hands, you can't really kind of grok it. So the, the BlackBerry device could very well be exactly the same thing. And when it actually launches, it will make more sense. I, I have to um, be honest, you know. David. I'm
0: excited about all these new Slate-like devices. And well, if there's com- another one that's good, I'll buy it.
1: I'll yeah, buy com- it. Competition is good. Absolutely. And, and um, certainly, you know. It's needed. What I, what I would like to see is um, iPad-like devices that maybe are less functional but are cheaper. So that I can, you know, when as my kids get older, I can turn to them and say, okay, well, we can't afford to get everyone an iPad, but we can afford to get the $250 device, and, you know, that does enough for what you need it for. Yep. So um, that's the kind of that, – that's what interests me about, about the development of the tablet market. But, you know, it's clear that we are going to see new devices from everybody, um, and it would be interesting to see how it pans out, really. Do you have an iPhone 4? I do, yeah. Have you played with the HDR photos yet? Yeah, in fact, I tend to find an awful lot of photos I take now I take with
0: HDR. Oh, my God. The difference is amazing. I took a photo last week, and uh, I forgot to import it until like two days ago into my iTunes library. Actually, I took two photos from um, the Mac Specialist store in downtown Chicago. I I walked to the corner. I was smoking a cigarette. And I took two photos, one looking one direction, one looking 90 degrees the other direction. And they look pretty darn good on the screen. But when I imported them, it imported, of course, the non-HDR and the HDR version. Yeah. And I could not believe the difference. It was night and day. In the non-HDR version, David, it shows the side of this building that's kind of in shadow. And it's okay. just dark. Yeah. In the HDR version, you can actually see it's not dark. It's red brick. And you can see the bricks. It was
1: just breathtaking. I was like, holy crap, look at the difference. I took a photo in London a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was on the Thames near uh, Tower Bridge, and I took a photo. It was, just, it was just twilight; it was just starting to get dark. I took a photo of the bridge and kind of the city of London behind it, with the uh, you know some of the some of the tower blocks. They, we have a, a tower block that's called the Gherkin; it's kind of a round building that's quite distinctive. Um, so, because it was getting dark, Tower Bridge was was floodlit, um, and yet there were still clouds in the sky, and you could still see some some sunlight in the sky. Now, normally. We, even with a with an SLR camera, that picture would be very hard to take.
0: Yeah, it would be a little you put, muddy and you're,
1: yeah. you're, because because you want to get the pop of the lighting to kind of indicate that it's dark and the building's lit, but also you want to see a bit of sky and this sort of thing. And I I took two, I took one with the HDR and one without me. the HDR one looked like it had come straight out of a brochure. It was amazing. I mean, it looked like it had been photoshopped and it, somebody had actually put a a really good sky on top of a of a darker scene. It looked amazing. Mm.
0: It, I, good. It's almost like
1: magic, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, again, this is a, it, it. It was put forward as a just kind of a nice to have feature in the iPhone 4 as a differentiator. But I, I guarantee you, in next two to three years, you'll see pretty much every camera on the market will be able to do this. Just basically, will take two instant. Uh, two or three instant shots, and then automatically tone map, tone map them together if you want to, because it, it it produces photographs that look much much more like the image you see with your human eye, because your your brain is always doing that processing all the time, you know, bringing up the highlights and also you know uh, pulling the, sh- the detail out of the shadow as well.
0: It's uh, I kind of wonder why they just don't turn that on by default and turn off the the regular JPEG compression one. Because it's just,
1: I <coughs> I see no reason not to go that route every single time. Yeah, I suppose some people want to, you know, shoot off a a, a bunch of. I mean, the think the problem with the HDR is that if if you're taking a moving scene, you get a lot of blur. Um, so and also as well, there's that slight delay you get with the with the photo being saved while it's while it's tone mapped. So um, I suppose I suppose that's why they give you the option of turning it off ninety nine dollar Apple TV is now shipping.
0: People have them, and they're already jailbreaking them David.
1: yeah, you know what I, I was reading that I was reading this, you know, people are, are flashing it via the USB ports yeah and I just thought SSHing why? in and yeah it's like, why just to you know I know there's a bit of geek credit in, in involved to in hacker that, mentality I, and yeah, but there's no real justification for doing that.
0: Well, I don't know if you can get if you can get other apps on there that would run at the native resolution, say, I don't know, video streaming services, I can kind of see where that would be very useful. I mean, if I can get Hulu on my Apple TV instead of just Netflix and iTunes, I, that could be yeah, very compelling.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it's tempered by the fact that I can't watch Hulu here. So. Yeah, well, um, or Netflix. I've, I've not really, yeah, I've not really had the whole Hulu experience, um, but, but, you know, there, there's, there's only limited storage on there for all of that sort of thing. and uh, I, I, I guess I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm getting too old now, but I just kind of want to plug the thing in and watch it. I don't want to be um, bricking it or, or hacking it around so much.
0: Let me ask you about, because um, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, I've never been to England. I've always wanted to, but I've just never had the opportunity to present itself. Um, you have the BBC, right? Yeah. They not only produce content, but they distribute the content, and yeah, the w- they get money from
1: the government. AIEU. Yeah, basically the BBC produces radio and television broadcast content, um, and it has a an obligation to deliver a form of public service. So we all get um, we pay a thing called the license fee, which is effectively a tax. It's about um, it's about mm-hmm. one hundred and Hundred thirty, hundred forty pounds a year, I think, um, to fund the BBC, and then it 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 has to, uh, so it produces. It, it it has a series of. It's not just one organisation. There are regional. There's regional BBC. There's regional uh, BBC Radio. Um, there's national BBC, and um, then they also fund um, a whole load of, of kind of a, of a website and a whole load of different right. digital channels and, and all of that sort of thing. And they produce a lot of their own content, but they also buy in you know content too. There's, there's, you know, you'll see American TV shows on, on well, the Well, that was BBC my
0: question. Are there other networks in the UK? Like here yeah, in the United are. States, I mean, I, I have Comcast, which I'm seriously thinking about dropping. But on my Comcast, I have NBC, ABC, MTV,
1: this, that. I yeah. mean, I have thousands. It used to be. When I was growing up, we only had, th- literally, we had three TV channels. We had BBC One, uh, BBC Two, and then we had uh, ITV, which is effectively, is ITV was is um, a commercial TV network. Okay. So um, very much similar to Fox or um, gotcha. NBC or something like that. Not Not quite on the same scale. Um, and that used to be kind of regionalized as well, but that's kind of all gone away now, so it's all one one company. And they also produce their own original content, not quite as much as the BBC does, um, but they are effectively ad-supported. So, because I um,
0: watch... I get a BBC America, and I seem to be on that damn channel all the time, uh, mostly for Top Gear and Ramsey stuff. Yeah. I don't particularly like some of the we turn into Monsters shows. It just seems very kind of juvenile, very 80s-ish. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was thinking the other night, is this the only type of content that they're producing in the U.K.? Because, quite honestly, I like some of the programming, but it doesn't seem all that original sometimes. It's like, really, this is it? They don't have ABC or they don't have big studios that are producing they, a little we, bit we, higher quality yeah, content, not we such do, low but rent. I th-
1: I, yeah, I think, I think the budgets do tend to be lower. So particularly anything with any sort of special effects. Yeah, because suffers- it's always cheesy. Yeah, it suffers a little bit, and they just don't have the budget. Often, don't have the budget to
0: do. Uh, I mean, know, we have yeah. our cheesy too. We have the Sci-Fi Network, which is like kind yeah. of low grade. You know, they have special effects, but d- don't look too closely.
1: <laughs> yeah, suspend <laughs> pro- your disbelief. The problem is, is that is ultimately our market is much smaller. So, yeah. Um, if you were to look at the BBC, obviously is. It, while it, it operates a little bit more commercially than it used to be. It has a commercial arm that resells BBC content overseas. So, um, for instance, stuff like Doctor Who, which has been has been was recently brought back, and is now. I mean, you think you think the budget and the special effects in Doctor Who nowadays is ropey? You should see the older stuff. Oh
0: yeah, I have I mean, it seen it before. Really bad.
1: Yeah. yeah? So um, the reason that they they can spend more on that now is because they know they're going to be able to sell that. TV series overseas.
0: I wonder Um, how you guys would react if you you saw some of the uh, programming promotion that the BBC America does. Like lately they have all these um, Americanized TV or well movies like uh, Star Trek or I'm struggling to think of one, Die Hard Mm -hmm. and it's the accents of evil. And of course, all yeah. the evil people have a British accent. Yeah, that, that was a, that was certainly was a Hollywood meme for a time. Yeah, but um, it just cracks me up. I'm like, really? It's the yeah. accents of evil. That's your ho-
1: your you're the BBC. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> presumably, BBC America employs Americans to generate some of its marketing. I don't know. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't feel like any marketing that I see on any other network around. Yeah. Now we also have um, some other channels. Now we have Channel Four. Which kind of is it sits but it's a commercial station, but it sits between the remit of ITV and the BBC, so it has more of a um, a public service focus, so it does an awful lot of documentary channel four and um, that sort of thing but an, an original comedy I mean the i t crowd is a channel Four show for instance um, but they also they also always have shown an awful lot of American content that they bought in as well and then we have channel five that was was like really low rent when it first started and now is trying to kind of pull itself up by its bootstraps. Kind of Uh, like what Fox did when they launched in the late eighties, they were very low rent. Yeah. I mean, channel five used to show kind of softcore porn in the evenings and stuff like that. They've now, they've now um, pulled themselves up though. I think, I think a guy who was involved in the porn industry recently bought them. So we'll see what happens with that. They might go a bit more down market, but they show the the stuff that you see on, um, you know, the third or fourth discovery channels in the right. state ice, ice, um, ice flow truckers and, you
2: know, deep,
1: <laughs> dangerous deep sea fishermen yes. and stuff like that is all, is all, you know, standard channel five fair. And the, you know, the, they show documentaries as well, but it tends to be stuff about how Tutankhamun might have been an alien. And, uh, yeah. You know, sensational stuff. crap yeah exactly um and then and then the other thing we have i mean we've got a whole slew of digital channels now since uh since digital came to to the tv but but they're the, those are all the main companies except for sky uh and sky are the um the satellite provider and right. they, they are really probably one of the bigger networks now because they're they're funded by a lot of pay-per-view sport and um subscription sport they show all the all the english soccer matches um they have all the um tie-ups with, with the, the, f- the football, the rugby, the cricket. Gotcha. That of thing. So, so they have a lot more money and so they occasionally will do um, special programming that's quite high budget. You know, they've done a lot of Terry Pratchett and things like that.
0: Something all- really weird in the United States has been happening the last I would say five years or so. Some of these networks that really like AMC for instance um, really was about showing classic movies. And that's yeah. all you would see on there. And I don't know why, but all of a sudden they decided we're going to start doing original programming, which mm. puts them in direct competition with NBC and you know all those other stations. But they did something different. They they really decided to take chances on shows. There's no way would have ever got on a major network, right? And uh, the first two is Mad Men, which is yeah. all the rage.
1: Yeah. It's very popular over here as well. The BBC shows that over here.
0: And then the second one is probably the best new show I've seen. Um, They've had three seasons so far. And it's called Breaking Bad. And it's just... I had no idea what to expect with this show. I, I had all three seasons. They had just finished the last season. And I got all three seasons on iTunes. And I really didn't know what to expect. Well, I got the first season, let me be honest. I didn't buy the other two. And... I had never seen anything quite like this on television, and yeah. it just blew me away. And I'm like, "This is the AMC network. Who the hell are they? And how are they producing such content?" that's just... the main Michael Cranston is the the star of Breaking Bad. He was the father on Malcolm in the Middle. This jokey right. father. Yeah. Well, well, now he's making cooking meth. <laughs> uh, it's just. He he just won his third Emmy <laughs> wow. for this yeah. AMC network. It's amazing, and so I'm hey. kind of curious on what the rest of the world is doing too, because it seems to me that it's quality of content now. David isn't tied to
1: budget. Hell, look no. at
0: podcasting.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and some some stuff can transition from one medium to another and get more budget. And the you know the if, if the core idea is good, then it can continue to work even if, as it goes up market and gets more budget and, and that sort of thing as well. So uh, and and also talent, I, th- I I'm still a strong believer that talent can win through. Um, and while some of our some of our production values in the UK might be a little bit lower than what you're used to in the states, um, the story is going to win out. Story. The stories often win out, and also the, the the people performing. I mean, one of your biggest shows is House. Yep. Um, well, you know Hugh Laurie, who plays who plays House, is is it was an English comedian. Yeah. He used to, he he was partnered with Stephen Fry. They used to do a a, a comedy sketch show together. I've they, seen some episodes. Did several, yeah. Yep. Um. And and they've also did uh, Jeeves and Worcester, which was a you know a, a kind of a. A period comedy uh set of books that they did where where um hugh Laurie was the kind of the foppish um you know uh, bounding kind of rich guy and then um and then stephen fry was his butler who was the one who actually ran the show you know right um so so and and the first time i saw house i couldn't believe it was it was Hugh Laurie because you know <laughs> totally different guy not, not, not just the accent but you know basically the whole persona is completely you know if you've if seen a compelling seen, character yeah if you've seen the Hugh Laurie he plays the played the father in the Stuart Little movies you know with the mouse that's right I've seen it yeah and then well that's very that's very quintessentially Hugh Laurie what what he does in that you know and house is a, such a des- departure is, from that exactly you know and those and, are the uh, type of roles that
0: don't come around very often
1: yeah, and we and there's there's an awful lot of um, English talent working in um, in American That's TV. That's always been the case, though. Yeah, and you guys don't even know it, you know, because these guys play Americans or, or sound Americans so well. I mean, for instance, did you know that the um, the guy? Did you watch Battlestar Galactica? At all? Sure. Yes, yeah, so the guy who played Apollo. Yep. Uh, is English. Yep, I knew. And and he's actually in currently starring in the English version of Law and Order. You know, the thing is, is I heard yeah.
0: that was uh, a pretty good show, actually. They're yeah. going to be showing it here in the uh, BBC America, too. But I always thought that guy would make a perfect Green Lantern. Yeah. Better yeah. than the guy, the Ryan, whatever.
1: Um, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Jury's, jury's out on a lot of those. But, I you think. know,
0: the, for me... I'm excited because this is like a year after you watched it, but we just got the new season of uh, Top Gear. Mm -hmm. And I I love Top Gear. I mean, I was literally laughing out loud on the last one. Jeremy Clarkson and that little Renault that has three wheels. Every damn time he turns, the car falls over and it's scared. You
1: you don't see many of those cars anymore, but actually they used to be all over the British roads.
0: I died Um, laughing. I was laughing so hard. (laughs)
1: I mean, <laughs> Later in that season, you see some stuff they do with um, with mobile homes that's hilarious as well.
0: Yeah. I love the show, you know. Yeah. But, but that's but then, not that- it's not high production television stuff. It's kind of reality TV. Although I will say, quite honestly, the cinematography in Top Gear is top notch. I mean, yeah. they get some shots. I'm just like, wow, that's a really great shot right there. Maybe I noticed that because of my background more than most people. Yeah, but it's just really compelling, it's good stuff.
1: The look is actually quite high budget by uh, by UK BBC standards for that sort of show. Well, uh, look at all see. the
0: stuff they do, they almost have to exactly. be by definition. Yeah. yeah so but, we're uh, we're at
1: 43
0: minutes and you know David, honestly, last week uh, I had a uh, JR Bookwalter on.
1: Yeah.
0: And I had such a good conversation with him at the was, very end. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say
1: he was a really fun guy. He
0: was. really interesting. I liked him a lot. I'm going to have him back on the show again, too. Not this time for an interview, but just kind of like what we're doing here. Riffing, I guess. Um, I I got really into talking to him. So at the very end, I mentioned that we have this audio from John Nomorowski. (laughs) And then I ended the show. (laughs) I never played it. (laughs) So I, I felt bad about that. And the reason, and I have a reason, it's not an excuse, but it is a reason, was that I had recorded that show much earlier in the day. And then I got extremely busy, and by the time I remembered, I, I need to get that show posted, it was like 10.30 at night. So uh, I went and just edited it real quick, got it together, uploaded it, did this, did that, did the other. And then the next day I went,
1: oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know what's one of the, uh, one of the secrets of show business is to keep the crowd wanting more. There you go. So we're going to play that. I
0: still haven't listened to the audio. Uh, I don't know who it is that Nemo did the interview with. I don't know if we're going to have any more of john's uh, little interviews audio files for uh, tech fan but the nice thing is about tech fan is david i own it we can do whatever we want with it if i decide i want to take a week off and somebody else can do an episode we can do that cool. if somebody wants to send audio in we can play it and i i gotta say I, i've been remiss in that i didn't give out contact information last time so if you want to contact the show if you actually want to be on the show too we can we can set that up as well but it's tim at dot that's how you get a hold of the podcast if you want to come on as a listener invite come on riff with uh, whoever happens to be on that week it could be david it could be just me it, who knows um david you're doing this during the day in the uk so yep you can't always come on every week no, but I'm certainly going to try and be on as often as I can because I do enjoy doing it. Well, I hope so too because I, obviously I like you being here. Otherwise, I want to say, hey, can you come on the show? <laughs> uh, I'm going. <laughs> here's the funny thing. When I was doing. I'm looking for it as I'm talking. That's why I'm kind of killing time right here if you couldn't notice. There it is. I found it. If uh, you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at myMac, by the way. When I was doing OWC radio, I used to give out this phone number. Well, the thing mm-hmm. was, that phone number belonged to me, it didn't belong to OWC. It was the right. old phone number that I used for the old My Mac podcast that Guy and Gaz is still doing, but they got a new phone number because of it. So I'm carrying that phone number over to this show. So it's the cool. same number that I was using for OWC Radio. If you want to leave audio comments and I'll play it right here on the show, it's uh, area code eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine. Just call that on your any telephone and say, hey, Tim, enjoying the new show? I'd appreciate it. I'll put it on the show. What do
1: you or, think? Yeah, or uh, if you've got an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, you can always just record a little bit of audio and just email it in to. Tim at MyMac.com, uh, yeah. Yeah, just works just as well. So anything big on your horizons here, David? Uh, we've, got, um, we've got some family stuff going on this weekend and next weekend. Um, I am probably picking up a new retro Mac on Monday. Uh-oh, what so, are you getting? Um, um, it's going to be a former 630. Oh. Uh.
0: So, um, if you want to uh, if you want to hunt this down and buy it, you'll have a little bit of history. My Mac was actually created and started on a Performa 410. Ah, uh, okay. I, I still have that. It's in my shed somewhere. Yeah, but yep. Just a little bit of trivia. My Mac started on a Performa 410 with uh, one. I think it is one megabyte of RAM. Wow. Yeah, it was nothing. Well, David, I'm going to drop this stuff in from uh, John Nemo. This time I promise I'll do it. And uh, we'll be back in a week. I don't know if David will be with us. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Friday, David. So if you're around, let me know. We'll get you back yep, on the show. Yeah, we'll definitely. And I guess our guest isn't going to be here. He didn't show up on Skype. And I I can't have him on the show if he's not on Skype, right?
1: No. Nope. Bummer.
0: All right, David. Talk to you later.
1: See you soon.
2: We're delighted to have our friend Jackie Richards here. Jackie, how do you like your iPad?
3: Oh, very much so. Uh, I'm so surprised at how it fits into my life. In, a, I know it sounds trite, but it really is, in a sense, life-changing. It changes the routine in my world. Uh, I tend to read more uh, on the iPad. I catch up with the news. I I'm, have email at my fingertips. Uh, As far as creativity is concerned, it's always there. I can be amused by my games, and uh, it's a delight. I'm so happy I have it. Now, what about
2: an input device? You prefer... Using your finger or using a stylus?
3: No, no. I'm spoiled. I like a stylus. Um, The finger uh, input amazed me when I first saw it, and uh, I thought about the practicality of it, especially for uh, touch uh, working on a computer, but the stylus is, is really, in my case, the way to go. Are you able to draw and paint and do creative stuff Absolutely. with the stylus? Absolutely. It's very sensitive. Uh, it, In a strange way, perhaps a bit more sensitive than a finger, because we're not really, as artists, necessarily finger painters. We're, you know, instrument painters, uh, using a brush or a chalk or uh, something of that sort. So a stylus is just a tool, and it's a very uh, uh, a comfortable tool to use. Is there a particular stylus Stylus that you prefer? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've tested a few of them, and the Griffin stylus for me is hands down the best stylus that I've worked with.
2: When you're using your iPad, not on your lap or not on a tabletop, is there a particular stand that you like to use for either presentation or creativity?
3: Well, there are a lot of upright stands that I can understand might be used for professional presentations or perhaps a running slideshow of photographs. But personally, um, again, there I tried the Griffin um, loop and... Absolutely, hands down, that's the one to use. So Griffin, with their stylus and their loop, uh, is an unbeatable combination.
2: And as far as a review, if you were going to give the Griffin stylus and the Griffin loop stand my mac rating how how would you rate them
3: oh 10 10 10 on each and uh together they they work well together and uh, as i say i've tested others and for me the griffin is quality made and it seems to be engineered to fit the needs of the person who's using them
2: And do you think a man would be as comfortable with it as a woman?
3: Absolutely. I don't see any reason why not. Actually, a man, I think, would like the weight of the stand, for instance. Also, the stylus has a pocket clip. Men do tend to have pockets, perhaps more than women. And so even that aspect of it is very good for a man.
2: Well, that's a three-minute interview with Jackie Richards. Thank you for joining us here. My Mac.